Welcome to the Learning by Doing podcast. My name is Ethan, Ethan Cisneros, Ethan from Thirst, as I like to brand myself. I'm the owner of Thirst Drinks here in Salt Lake. We are a very loud, offensive, ambitious company. And this podcast is part of the documentation of my journey. Here you're going to find insights and me running my business and kind of the behind the scenes. So let's check out an episode. Episode 14 of the Learning by Doing podcast. I'm remembering that this is one of the first time I've remembered the episode numbers in a long time. <laughs> it's because I've been really looking forward to this episode and I really wanted this to happen because this is Scott Porter, one of my best buddies, honestly, when it comes to the business owner realm, I would say one of my closest friends. The, the reason I think we're pretty close friends is there's never judgment when we don't text each other back for like a week. <laughs> you ever notice yes, that? Yes. Because at least I know like, oh, that I'm dude, like, we're he's so good. busy. He's yeah, busy. Yeah. And like, um, yeah, so we've known each other for a while. Our businesses have worked together, which we'll talk about uh, super, super closely and have been through a lot together. I would yeah, say. like the whole time we've been in business, really, yeah. almost. Both yeah. of us. Yeah. So uh, let's take it back to the story of how we met, shall we? Let's do it. Um, we can tell that. And then let's, I want to hear exactly what your story was leading into that but just for the context of how thirst and san diablo churros which is scott's current company um met the way i remember it is that there was a gateway of this is 2016 a gateway event where different vendors were selling i think it was like a fireworks show or something like that okay yeah and we were next to san diablo churros was it the summertime yeah it was the summertime yeah it was just when we started barely catering had a rookie catering line and um, super popular churro place next to us. Ended up getting a card or something. It was you and some other guy you were working with. And um, ended up messaging them a bunch of times till we were able to meet. This is early days, like when one store thirst with <laughs> sub 2,000 followers, like I love really it. early days. And one of the ways I th- was like, I'm going to blow this thing up by collaborating with someone different yeah. every single weekend. Yeah. And I pitched that to you. And at the time, like... I just remember thinking San Diablo is way out of our league. Like, there's no way we're going to get oh him to my thirst. Gosh, which is hilarious. And then um, we got him in and I was like, no, I think I could sell like 100 churros in a night. And at the time, like, I think was impressed you enough that you were like, all right, yeah, let's figure this out. And uh, one, another one of those stories where I met a business owner through weekend features, but uh, Scott was one of them. And so we've done tons of stuff together. Yeah, and uh, we've been. A, there was a time where... Both of our Mill Creek and downtown, every single Monday was doing churros. We did, we've done tons of stuff through quarantine, which I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Kind of how we did that. But um, Scott Porter, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to be here. Thanks. Give me your entrepreneur story, dude, because I've always, we never even had this conversation, by the way. But like, what, what were you doing before San Diablo? (laughs) What led you in? Why do you, you also have, he also has different platforms he's posting content on which I think we see a very similar vision there mm. of what we're doing with content. But Taco Incidents, Search yeah. for the Perfect Taco, yeah. what else am I missing? No, that's, that's it, I right? mean, that's it. There's doing uh, tons of stuff, like though. tacos and churros. That's yeah. life, right? Tell me the story. <laughs> uh, tell me the taco uh, churro story. Tell me why you're doing that stuff. And But take it all the way back. Yeah. Take it all the way back. Okay. Welcome. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> it's so great to be here, man. I I uh, respect and admire you, and and I've been I've learned a ton from you, actually. And so, it's it's like I I, I just. I, it, love your hustle i love your drive your energy and enthusiasm are just absolutely contagious and so thank you thank you when likewise, you said, hey let's likewise. do this i'm i'm like whatever it is like ethan ethan says anything let's do this i'm like yeah i'm in 100 percent. 
Um, I. You've I always think been that way. Skirt's gonna be mad at me for interrupting, but you've always been that way, by the way. Like anytime I text Scott an idea, we're in, of course. Yeah. Like literally, duh. doesn't even wait for an explanation, and uh, just it means a lot that he trusts us. Well, I mean, I think that that just comes from uh, both of us connect really well on this abundance mentality you know yeah it's like hey we're let's help everyone succeed yeah and i've really appreciated that about you and and i think that 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 sort of mentality and mindset of of um optimism and abundance and and not like competition and scarcity and and like like defensiveness yeah. it's more just like embrace like let's make this happen totally, all of dude. us can succeed together yeah you know and totally. so I, I i just love that i love that about who you are and how you how you share that thank and you. it comes across in everything you do thank you know you. thank you so much so it's awesome and so i'm honored to be here yeah thanks for thanks so much for asking me um, it's been entrepreneurship is a wild ride. It's a roller coaster, uh, like even within seconds, right? But over a lifetime, I mean, yeah. this has been this has been my ride that I've chosen, and I also feel like has chosen me. <laughs> like it's, it's just who I am. Has you it been know? for forever? Well, so I remember when I was a kid, the first I was about eight years old, and I I created a neighborhood newspaper. No and way. So, yeah, well, and <laughs> you won't Dude. remember these days, but yeah. I literally was on a typewriter. Uh -huh. I know that sounds like like I crossed the plains as a pioneer, but like <laughs> like I was on a typewriter and I I I want I interviewed like my friend's parents and yeah. like what do, what's your job? And then Dude. I interviewed um, I interviewed my friends and their family about their vacation that they took. And yeah. then I typed it up and sold it back to them for like 25 cents. Dude, that is <laughs> out of I the was, box entrepreneur kid story. Was, and I was under, I was, it was, I, my office was underneath my parents, uh, underneath our stairwell in our basement, in our house. Dude. So I set up a desk with the typewriter. And, That's the yeah. best, that puts lemonade in the dirt. <laughs> well, that, that was, <laughs> There, there was lemonade stand. There were course, lemonade stand, Kool Aid stands nice. and lemonade like stands that. too. But um, and so it's just in my been in my blood. My father's an entrepreneur. He's he was a he grew up as a farmer and um, and then started was a general contractor. Got and it. so I just saw the all of the ups and downs and the hardship and the su success and the and all of the I don't know. It's just like something I can't. Uh, you once it's in your blood it's in your blood yeah you know do you well tell us the story so though. then what so, happened next yeah, yeah. so, so happened? then that you know as time went on i i uh went to byu for undergrad studied public relations what were you doing until then like what were you like in high school what were you kind of yeah did you so, carry it you feel like you kept this mentality going your whole yeah, life for or? sure i mean i was always starting things yeah. you know whether it was a club or something uh, yeah exactly yeah. like something that was going on my fr my uh my best friends in high school and i were always like getting together and creating these like epic dates you know yeah and, like, dude that's exactly and, what happened and that's it was always like and then that carried on mm. into all throughout college same yeah. thing and epic pranks and dates and all yeah. these things and so um and then uh, I, my first job out of undergrad was uh, the first employee at a brand new PR agency. So okay. um, I literally like built my Ikea desk on my first day on the job, you know, <laughs> like he's like, here's a screwdriver. I'm like, ah, okay, well, I'm, you know, this is what you do when you start a business, like you do what it takes. Mm -hmm. And so 
Um, I was I was the first employee and he was taking a risk on me. And so I wanted to reward that risk with like, yeah, I'll do whatever, yeah. whatever. So I did that and went back to business school at BYU and was always drawn towards, I knew I needed to find something that allowed me the creative freedom and um, and also the opportunity and, and accountability to to grow something and to be successful. That was always a huge drive of mine. And so... How was your school experience? Awesome. Then? Yeah. And I was, I it was like, were you a great student in undergrad? I, I always loved, like, I love learning. Um, there are things that I love learning better than others. Yeah. And so a lot of my undergrad was exploring that yeah. both from like a professional experience as well as topics. Like I took an anatomy class cause I thought maybe I wanted to go into medicine and be just a doctor to see, yeah, just to see. and you know, you, you, and I wanted to work on, I wanted to see cadavers and I wanted to like dig in and, and realize that it was fascinating to me, but I did have the stomach it for wasn't it. you yeah <laughs> it wasn't me yeah. so i tried that tried a bunch of different other things graphic design and and ultimately ended up in public relations and that was just it would just fit it aligned yeah. with who i am and when what how i view things and 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 really has been had a tremendous impact on how i've done business because of the way that it helps the PR curriculum at BYU helps you think through audience and message and, and how important that is. And regardless of whatever business you're doing, that, that sort of understanding about how you're communicating and, and, um, and what you're, and who you're communicating to and how you're trying to get them to take action yeah. was as like, like, been influential and modified how I've done everything since. Yeah, dude, I'd love to even stop on that because I think college is the most interesting debate for entrepreneurs actually mm. doing it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, and something I've learned recently, I was talking to Lauren about this on my last podcast, is I used to think that the key to scaling was to build, I, I like getting into these platforms and building really precise systems or I know you do too. Yeah, yeah. So for instance, I just signed up for Trainual, this training software that yeah, I yeah. built every, literally so, <laughs> took so much of my time, like of not sleeping, just creating these training I was obsessed with it. I'm like, this is gonna be the key to expansion because now everyone's trained perfectly and all I gotta do is build that, set it aside and go. The part I was missing is navigating relationships is actually the most, the hardest part of scaling, I think as I've gotten to this point in my business where I'm now managing the managers of other people and hundred plus employees, I'm looking at doubling that this summer. I'm like, actually the, everything else can be taught and scaled out and built into a system, but how to re navigate relationships and the things that mm. you say, exact mm. words that you say, how you respond to your employees, <clears throat> what, what kind of attitude you're rubbing off on them, how, they, how you coach them to respond to their employees. That is the way that you scale. Yeah. It's the hardest yeah. part and thing to do. And so I think it's just, it's interesting because I don't believe in college for marketing uh, and, and a lot of entrepreneurship because I think that you learn those by doing them and they're constantly changing and the best, fastest, most efficient way to do it is by actually just doing it. Yeah. But you're talking about how you went to school and learned this thing that I'm trying to learn currently in my business, yeah, yeah. which is how to manipulate people i guess that, that has like a negative connotation mm -hmm. but how to get people to be happy enough to run our businesses for us right mm -hmm. and to 
it's almost like um, we're trying to selfish to be selfless. Like we're trying to mm. make them happy to get them to do uh, yeah. what we want. You know yeah. what I mean? It's the hardest part of scaling my business yeah. by far is yeah. how I can do everything else. I feel unstoppable in every other category other than how, what do I say to my manager right now who's complaining about her manager because someone didn't show up for their shift? Like yeah. just things like that I think are the hardest thing. I don't know. Do you feel like you learned a lot of that in your degree? And I think that was foundational for sure. Um, just understanding the, the, uh, who your audience is with everything that you're communicating, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're doing another business or you're a lawyer or a doctor, whoever, everything you do communicates a message and and sends a message even verbally and non-verbally right yeah. and so how do you and and especially as an entrepreneur you're selling a vision so like as you're as you're looking to scale you are bringing on people to run your your baby you're yeah. like you're like passing it off to yeah. someone something that is so much a part of who yeah. you are and what you believe in and what you've spent like blood sweat and tears doing yeah and now you're saying now i'm giving it to you and i'm trusting you with this and and they're like yeah i'm on board and so our jobs as entrepreneurs so much of what we do is is selling the vision yeah so how do we sell that vision how do we communicate everything that that we believe in from a mission, vision, values standpoint, how we execute on things operationally, logistically, what are you doing? how we approach. What are those things? Like, I would love to know, like, the, how, what are you doing in your company? How do you communicate with your employees? Let me just get selfish here. Like, like, how do you, what, when you're talking to a manager, say that yeah. you, maybe you need to discipline them. I think that's a really hard subject mm -hmm. is like, what, what, what's kind of your approach with talking to employees and keeping them held accountable? And because I feel like that's the hardest part for me is, you know, keeping them accountable, but also have keeping them happy and in a good environment, having a good relationship with them. How do you kind of what's your take there? <laughs> oh, man, it's a hard that's so, an open -ended question. Oh, no, no. I mean, it's so good. And the reason why I just chuckle is because I am constantly checking myself on that. Me too. You know, like, am I, um, I think especially in high stress situations. Yeah. I mean, we've been in events together. Yeah. Stressful events. Yeah. We've been stressed right? at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's stressed at the same time. Like, how do I deal with that? How do, how am I, am I, am I holding myself and others to a high standard? Yeah. And how am I communicating that? So you're asking, how do I do that? Well, I, I think- What are some things you keep in mind? Especially in like, stressful situations, yeah. um, I, I have to breathe. I know that sounds like, I mean, obviously, but like, I like will step away and like, sometimes physically step away, or if I can't, mentally step away for a second and just be like, okay, I need to think through this. Yeah. I want to make sure that what, I, what I'm saying or how I react is not um, going to Be have negative connotations or, um, or not necessarily, I mean, because you can, how, how is it going to maintain a sense of dignity and self-worth and help other, help, elevate behavior yeah 
um, while still correcting behavior that maybe wasn't appropriate. Yeah. You know, um, how, and so I, I think just like mentally checking yourself, I think is the first step yeah. and I don't always do it and I don't most, always do it well. Most people don't too. I would, I but don't say I most want, people don't. I but. want my team to feel like I care about them because yeah. I do. I care about them as individuals, but, and I also care about what we are creating together. And so, and as with your business, we have a lot of people on our teams that are, it's maybe their first job, Yeah. you know? And so they don't, they, they, they it's our responsibility and our manager's responsibility to help continue to build and develop character yeah. that will help them for, throughout the rest of their life. Yeah. To provide a great environment where they feel like they're continuing to develop and grow and contribute to something in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, sure, they're going to be making money too, but but my my and and I think like that's the other thing for me when I'm thinking about how I'm communicating with my team is I need to constantly remember that like this is more important than that one churro that I'm selling right now. That's huge. Right this is more you. important than, than that. Like I want to help them continue to progress and develop. And, and I want us to grow together and improve just literally on my way over here. Um, we were talking about some system. Uh, well, over text with my team, uh -huh. we were talking about some systems that we need to improve and, what one one of my big drums that I'm beating right now, like currently, is this preventable scramble. You're in catering. Totally you know all mean, yeah. about the scramble. Yeah. It's like that's just the way of life in catering. But it's the preventable scramble mm -hmm. that will reduce stress, help people feel happier. Yeah. You know, like our team will go to something and they there's no scramble. Because there's always going to be a scramble. Oh, this, you know, we plugged in here and the circuit blew. And yeah. I mean, that... <laughs> you, but their job that. is to go there and be happy and, and be provide happy. an amazing experience. And, and <laughs> if we can prevent the scramble, we can basically like free up our team to create this amazing Focus experience. Yeah, yeah, totally. And they're like connecting with people because yeah. they're not worried about like this not working or that going wrong or the weather or whatever it is. Yep. Some of those things we can't prevent. Yep. But what... Like, let's hone in on what we can. And so we were talking about that with the team. And when you're asking about how I communicate and um, I, the words that I just texted minutes ago were like, we are better than this. Yeah. We are better than the preventable scramble. Or we, we can do a preventable scramble. We are better than the last minute scramble. Yeah. That is not it, that, that, that we can do better. We are better. I know we are. Yeah. And so I think that what, and so my communication style has always been to like, let's, let's, let's grow together and empower you to come up with solutions in whatever role you're in. Yeah. You know, some of our best things that we, like the straws that we use for our to-go things, uh -huh. for uh, yep. the um, <laughs> the churros that are for our delivery, that came from one of our team members, you know? That's, yeah. um, that, uh, that was an idea. We're like brainstorming together. So I wanna help people feel like everyone has a meaningful contribution yeah. and is making a difference. And so, I just try and remember that in my communication style. And I don't always do, I'm not, I'm like way far from perfect. Yeah. I don't always do it well. So just to piggyback off that. So first thing that comes to mind is 
Yeah, I think that you're right. And to, I credit a lot of people like you in my early days of, you know, I'm talking five years ago when I was just starting Thirst, understanding that actually caring about that is cool and it actually builds big mm, cool yeah, businesses yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. i i saw a few entrepreneurs you being one of them early on that was like to your point just made a note of it in their head you know just as conscious of how they're treating their employees and and yeah. why and actually making an impact bigger than the money is huge so i think that's something huge that stood out to me my second is i just have a question because one of my you've probably heard me say this and we've talked about this is i think taking accountability is this is something I teach to all of my managers is we basically never make excuses. Like what could we have done to prevent it? Because it's the f quickest way to find a solution. Could we have trained that person better? Could we have been more clear about something? Could we have you know, scheduled someone to do this other thing? Um, but lately I'm, I'm learning something which is sometimes I think that taking too much accountability is not putting enough accountability on the person that we're trying to work with. And for example, if something's clearly going wrong in at one of my stores or in my catering line, yeah, I can sit here and try to take accountability because it's fastest and I can fix those things that I'm gonna take accountability for. But equally as important, I think, to hold employees accountable and make sure that they're doing everything that they can. Do you, does that resonate with you? Like, is that your strategy to try to take accountability first of what you could have done? And does that make sense to you or is it like, tell me about the balance there. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, uh, totally. Because it's something I believed in for yeah, yeah, over anything, and I'm teaching my employees every single day. Yeah. But recently, I'm like, ah, but wait, I also need to hold them accountable and make sure that I'm not being too soft, to call it blunt. You know what I mean? What? Talk to me about that. Um, I Consult think that there's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I mean, I, I, I'll commiserate with you all day on that. That's like a hundred percent. It's, it's that it is the balance of like looking lo like the mirror principle, right? Like looking at yourself in the mirror about like something went wrong. Was it something that I could have done to have helped that gone better? Yeah. And is that something holding someone accountable for doing their job as well. I think there's there's definitely we want to we we need to they need to see that we they meaning our team needs to see that we hold ourselves accountable as much or more well. okay, than yeah. we hold them accountable. Yeah. Like look, I'm expecting you like how can I expect them to do something that I don't yeah. want to do or that I don't realize like Oh yeah, I messed up. That was a mistake yeah. that we made, and falling on your sword. Uh, there's give a me an quote example. that I um, go. Sorry. Uh, there's a quote that I love that uh, it was like it was said of Abraham Lincoln that he took more than his fair share of the blame and less than his fair share of the credit. Yeah. Um, for things that he did. Yeah. And I love that. It's like um, you. We need to be more than lead you out. You know. <laughs> Yeah. We need to lead out and say, yeah, you, you know, there, like this, this is something that I trying to think you asked for an example. Um, well, let me give you yeah. an example of something that happened in my catering business. This is like two years ago. So I feel fine sharing it. <laughs> it's like Scott and I are both in the catering business. And I think this is hugely relatable to anyone in the restaurant industry that does catering or has a catering business because, um, man, it's stressful. It's, and at the well, end of the day, it's like it some be. of these people's 
biggest days of their lives. That's right? what I was like, just gonna they say. Are, they are it, inviting you in to, like, they're getting married, or it's their anniversary, or whatever the occasion is, but they're inviting you to be a part of that. That's something so special. It's pressure, too. And it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. And so um, I, I remember something that went wrong. This one wasn't a wedding. It was a corporate thing, but went hugely wrong. And it was super embarrassing. And you get, I feel like a lot of business owners get to this point where, okay, we know we need to do some discipline. And we're like, spend the weekend or spend the night deciding, ah, how the best, what's the best way we can do it? Um, and I've since been kind of trying to coach my employee, my managers to do this same thing to their employees because I think it works really well is two years ago I thought about this and executed it this way I was after the event I said hey we're gonna have a meeting after this event everyone come get there come be there and I said everyone knows the performance that just happened this can never happen again that being said here are the things that I know I messed up on and I could have been way better on and listed them out and I think if you approach a situation like that, this is what I'm learning, is that it immediately takes the tone of the meeting from hostile, like, all right, if you and I mess up an event together and we have to go to a meeting after, it's like, I'm thinking of all the things that you did because I'm defensive, right? That's just natural, right? Um, but if you set the tone of the meeting of, guys, I messed up in these ways. Mm -hmm. Here's what I did. And then I asked all my employees to say, you know, hey, all right, so those are all the things I that I know that I messed up on. I'd like everyone else to go around and say what they could have done better to prevent this from happening. It's been good. And even in a situation like I get in the stores all the time of a manager dealing with an employee or a situation that was under performance, going in and first just taking accountability sets the tone of, we're not, this isn't a fight. We're trying to figure this out mm -hmm. because we're both trying hard right now. And we just need to figure it out for the betterment of the business. Yeah. And, and I think, too, something else that's really, I mean, I love that example. I think something else that's really been so helpful for me over the businesses that I've run before San Diablo in the nursing home business and then in when we started an airline, um, in all of those different examples and, and experiences that I've had is when we can go back to a common core mission and values that we have determined and decided that, like like we're talking about, as an entrepreneur, you're selling your vision. This is your vision and we're, we're codifying it. We are putting it down on paper and we are saying we believe in this and we are trying to execute on that all the time. These are the values. This is the type of experience that we are wanting to create. Yeah. If you have that foundation there, we can then go to the team in conversations like you were just saying and say, okay, guys, we know we want to create the best food experience right. in the world. We want to help people feel the joy of, of food. We want everyone to feel like a VIP. How did we do? Because those are all things for San Diablo. Yeah. Like, that's our mission. Yeah. Um, how did we do? How did we do? We literally have these conversations um, every single Monday morning when we're having our leadership meeting and, is and everyone planning answering? meeting. Well, we taught, we go through every event that, from the past week. And, good and bad? And what's that? Good. You go oh, over yeah, good yeah, stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We talk about everything. Good yeah. and bad. What yeah. went wrong? What, like, is this Dude, the I type love of that. experience <laughs> that, we're, that we are trying to create? And we have a reminder 
like, oh, our, you know, the D is dedication. The I is interaction, not transaction. The A is attention to detail. We review these types of values and then we, we like hold ourselves accountable to that. Who do you call Was to that this meeting? VIP? Who's, in What's that? That? Who's in that meeting? Your whole team? So our leadership team. So we have like our director of operations, our events manager, um, our HR like staffing person yeah. and, um, and our head chef. Before we get too ahead of ourselves, I need to know the Scott Porter story because I just went way deep into a tangent, but I, th I think it was awesome. So thank you. Yeah. Um, tell me what you did after going to college then. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so then uh, after I, uh, in the business at the, at my MBA program at BYU, I also wanted to do, um, I wanted to do something entrepreneurial, like the, the corporate, like move my way up the ladder path was never enticing to me at Got all. It. Got it. Yeah. And, and that's most of traditional academia, like puts you down that path. Yeah. And so it always felt like not really my thing and not a match. And yeah. so I was always carving my own, you know, choose your own adventure sort yeah. of journey. Um, and so after, after business school, I went to, a an info session with this nursing home company, which I never in a million years had even thought about nursing homes as a business, let alone like considered going to one okay. to work. Yeah. And they came and I think because they were doing an info session with free pizza, I'm like, okay, this is great. I'll find that. Fine. I'll go. My yeah. friend mentioned it and I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, so I went and I was really intrigued by their business model. They took over distressed properties, um, distressed nursing homes, whether it was like financially ruined or reputation wise, regulation, whatever. And they turned them around okay. and they made them reputable. They made them successful. They, um, and, and as a, as a operator, you, they basically like gave you the keys and like, had you run this as your own business. And I was like, wow, this is really intriguing. And, and I think the, the most, one of the, there were two parts to it that like really drew me in. The first was that, um, I love, I love like taking something that, uh, I love the challenge of taking something that has like a bad reputation or something that is like, um, distressed and like turning it around. I love, I mean that, that like challenge is so fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. And the other is I wanted to do, I've always wanted to do something in business that has a direct impact on helping improve people's lives or bringing joy, reducing pain. That's what you got from the nursing home. And so I was like, this is awesome. And, and how old were you at this point? Um, I was uh, 30, 32. Yeah. Okay. And so I, um, so yeah, so I, I went and, and decided to be a nursing home administrator and it was amazing. And I ran, so I ran a the first nursing home I ran was in Pasadena area of Southern California. Uh -huh. And um, it was a smaller building that was bankrupt. And that's when I first really, um, really, became this 
voracious student of culture and brand experience where because we didn't have any money to dedicate to marketing or anything and so i started to study so what other people had done and we had to build popular? a culture and an experience that was going to get people talking yeah. and have that be like our biggest marketing tool was word this like word of mouth yeah and this like awesome experience so that because at a nursing home no one's talking the only thing you're saying is like this is horrible <laughs> like i can't believe what they did it's my dad so much or it smells or like everything like all these terrible negative things is what you talk about but what if like in over dinner conversation you're like oh my gosh well my father's in a nursing home but this this cna was so kind and they just did this or every time i go they look me in the eye and they know my name and they yeah. like gave me a bottle of water and they cared and they listened and and like whatever those special things were that let people know that you care about them. And, and like you were saying earlier, this is a relationship. You do this with San Diablo. It's amazing <laughs> to see what others call it. Well, this, I mean, that's where I learned it. Yeah. I learned, I learned it from studying like what people like, like businesses like Disney and Trader Joe's yeah. and Starbucks and Zappos and, you know, um, uh, Nordstrom and Ritz Carlton. I, and I mean, you do this too. Like it's brilliant. It's about the experience. It's like yeah. a, a, we are creating an experience yeah. where not just Over anyone the can sell soda. Exactly. Anyone can sling churros. Yeah. But like probably better than we can in some yeah. instances, maybe sure. faster, cheaper. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, we're focusing on the experience, which I think is the, and we want people to feel something special and, and sure. Like the food needs to be good. The soda needs to be great Course, like yeah. all of that's foundational but like what's really going to create something different and really a barrier to entry for competition is that no one can replicate the san diablo experience yeah. no one can replicate the thirst experience because so that's what true, you've dude. built you yeah. know and you're building a relationship with people like we are too like people are inviting us into their lives into their homes to do a party for their son's 16th birthday or yeah. whatever it is and so we are now a part of their story yeah. uh, their life story i had someone come up to me gosh it was like at uh, several months back and and i'm like i we were selling it was i think we were at fitcon <laughs> which is ironic for churros but <laughs> i mean when they when they want to cheat they want to cheat yeah. well right and so um, we, we were at FitCon and I said, hell, hey, would, would you like to try some churros? Have you had our churros before? She said, actually, you guys catered our wedding. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I must not have been there. I would have, I would remember, but like, tell me what's your name. And I, I recognize their last yeah. names and they're like, yeah, we got married a couple of years ago. She's like, I will tell you. That's the only thing people talk about our wedding reception was the churros. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> She's like, we still have people come up to him and say, oh, my gosh, those churros were so amazing at your wedding. And I would argue and if those churros were out on a platter right. on the table, right. they would have said not a single thing. Right. But it was because the way San Diablo sets up is they've got their setup. They've got the uniform that they all wear, the things that you say, the way it smells, everything. The cowbell. The, everything's yeah. <laughs> designed for the experience, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So. You started an airline? Yeah. What? I know. <laughs> Dude, I've always meant to ask this story, but plug this in really quick. Oh, man. So is that next after the so nursing home? So after the nursing home business, then there's some other things in between, uh -huh. like some 
corporate consulting and then uh, I worked in a of culture that you learned at the nursing home. Um, actually, no, it was it was in HR, but it was with Fortune 500 companies as curriculum that that uh, I was working for the corporate executive board. Now it's called Gartner Group. And and I was with them for a couple of years. And and they are also a large publicly traded corporation themselves. And I just realized that was not for me. I loved the training and the consulting aspect of it. But yeah. I wanted I I'm much more of like I, I'm too like squirrel, like ADD. And I like to be involved in everything yeah. uh, of a business and not just like so narrowly pigeonholed into one element. And so I got out and then I ran a nursing or I ran a home health agency for a couple of years. And that's when some friends came to me and said, Hey, we have this idea, this crazy idea for this all you can fly subscription based airline, like a membership airline. I'm like, okay, well tell me more. So we all got together and then eventually like fast forward, it was really compelling. And, um, and then we got into an incubator, a business incubator in Santa Monica. And I remember when Wade called me, it was on new year's day that year. And he called and said, Hey, we just got into this incubator. What's um, that? An incubator like is a pitch like, a, it's, it's an early stage investment, like group you get like maybe eight to 10 businesses together. And, and the incubator is an organization that exists to help all of these businesses launch with it's money. Basically. Yeah. Okay. With not much though. It's typically the incubator is like a, is, I mean, there's all sorts of ways it's done, but uh, many it's like Silicon Valley type it, of stuff. It, totally. Yeah. yeah. We were the only non-tech company in this incubator. And, um, and they said we got in, um, and we're going to launch our airline from Santa Monica. And, uh, do you want to come help start an airline? I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, so all of us, the so five of us that started dropped what we were doing and, um, and how many times do you get asked to like go start an airline? And so I'm yeah. like, yeah, let's do it. Of yeah. course, none of us except one of the founders was a pilot. None of us had previous airline experience. And um, I still remember that first day we went in and it was like blank whiteboard. There were three of us at the time and we're like, okay, today's our first day. We're starting an airline. It happened to be my birthday also. So we're like starting an airline. It's like, okay, what do we do? <laughs> and we're like blank whiteboard and we just started boom, boom, boom. But you wanted to be a different type of model that was subscription based? What's that? You were going to have a, be a different type of model, right? Yeah, so no one had done a subscription membership airline before this. Um, uh, Southwest had done like an all-you-can-fly pass for a month. Yeah. And it like broke their system because of the way their system is structured. But we wanted to do a pi pay a monthly fee and fly all that you want between the cities that we serve. So it was short commutes. Uh -huh. We started with, uh, it was all within California and small aircraft with eight seats. Okay. And um, and in and out of private airports. You contract out the pilots to. No, they're ours. They're so yours. we have it's like a scheduled service. So it's kind of like a cross between private jet ownership and and um, scheduled and charter. Got it. And, and I'm sorry, and scheduled airline service. So okay. it's kind of a cross between all of those. You we flew in and out of the local airports. Uh -huh. So you bypass all the security. 
Um, you park, you know, in the parking lot right there. You walk in, and they're like, "Hey, Ethan, how's so it going?" This is Come for on corporate on business people. So, like most, yeah, just most wealthy people travel. wanting to travel. I mean, some people were doing it because they flew a lot between San Francisco and LA, but um, but mostly it was for travel. Okay. And it just like re we reduced all of the pain of what we hate about air travel, and restored this kind of joy and nostalgia of the way that travel used to be. You know, when you walk on, so you're like, you looped Ethan, in the experience. Again. Exactly. <laughs> you so it was just like, so that was what I focused on was yeah. like all the marketing and member experience. Yeah. And so how do we create something that's special and where people feel like, and so we had this, I remember when we were going through the workshop of, of like, what are our values? And we had this really long discussion on first class, the F and surf were like, could the, uh, it was called surf air mm -hmm. and so we had each of the the values of our uh were one letter in our name and we had this long debate and discussion about are we first class because that has a lot of implications right implications on yeah. what the expectation Size. is like like is the uniform are the uniforms like southwest airlines like shorts and a bermuda shirt yeah. or are they like you know, a full suit and tie, three, be three yeah. you know, double breasted suit or whatever. So it's, um, so we wanted to, anyway, we decided that our style of first class was going to be this approachable, kind, like not stuffy first class, but it wanted, we wanted it to feel special you yeah. know like you were coming Different. you were joining a special club yeah. you're a member you know we wanted you and so we wanted you to get exclusive access to stuff yeah. and feel like when you came on board it's like oh ethan so great to see you again how's your family yeah you know here's your wall street journal Personable. and your pomegranate juice that's what know? we try to do at thirst i feel exactly. like exactly yeah. yeah and it does and this is the thing about like the experience it's it's all about the relationship you're creating and that's why i like I love using the taco experience as as like a showcase for this amazing relationship that they build because it doesn't have to be a Ritz Carlton or really expensive yeah. sort of thing. It can be with a street taco because it's more about creating human connection and and building like this lasting relationship with people than it is about what you're selling. Yeah. And we could be like a 75 cent street taco. It could be a $4 soda. It could be churros. It could be, you know, a stay in a, you know, all inclusive resort in Bali. Yep. It doesn't matter because it's about the human connection and how you're making people feel like you care, yeah. like they're special. Yeah. And like you want to give them it's more something than just a awesome. sale. Yeah. yeah. So, so what happened at the airline then? So Surf Air, we launched and it was, it was awesome. We launched with, we were, we had three cities that we launched between, um, San Francisco, LA and Santa Barbara. And um, we had three aircraft and anyway, it was awesome. So we, from, Crazy, from the moment dude. that we started till it was doing that, well was, then? That, that was a year and a half. And then, um, we had, uh, and then the, we were running for about six months and then there was like some, uh, we, essentially had some financial struggles that are are uh some happened our venture capitalists that came in and our our investors essentially i mean they removed the five of us founders Got it. for all intents and purposes and asked was it a us bad to situation? like find um 
It was uh, it was really tough. Yeah. Personally, it was really tough because this was like all of us were all in. Did I mean, this was like get... blood, sweat, tears. We believed so deeply in what we were doing and how we were disrupting the airline industry and what possibilities there were. And we just saw so much future. And so it was it was a real or... it was a real like in a lot of ways felt like rug was pulled for out from under us, you know. And so, um, yeah, it was really rough. But uh, but. I had How another, long ago was that? that was, it was right before Surf Air, or I mean, <laughs> before San Diablo, it was Surf Air. So, so it was like right six before, years ago? yeah, it was, it was, yeah, six years ago. Yeah. And so, so you it wouldn't was have tough, left though. by choice. You guys wouldn't have left oh, by no. choice. No, 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 no. Um, and, uh, does it still exist today? Yeah. Yeah. It's still going. We still have, it still can fly it. So but yeah, I mean, I don't live there right now, so yeah. I don't get to use it as much as I would otherwise. But so fast forward and tell us how you got the idea for churros. How to go to churros? Yeah, so the idea from for airplanes churros, to churros. I know, obvious connection, right? <laughs> obvious transition. Yeah. So, um, but you knew I, you want to do an experience thing, I'm sure, right? For sure. Yeah. Well, and so in in a lot of ways, what had happened with Surfair caused me to have this. Um, I'm almost like this professional midlife crisis. Like, who am I? What am I doing? I have this like air, or, uh, airline and nursing home and all these other things. But and it, it, throughout all that process, uh, some friends and I started a non nonprofit as well, where we did international humanitarian service for years. I've done expeditions abroad with Choice Humanitarian and Singular. And anyway, and my brother and I started a toy and game company. So I have all of these like random like seemingly disconnected things. So who am I? What am I doing? What do I want? What do I want my impact to be in the world? And, mm -hmm. and so a lot of like introspection and, and along those lines. And so I, um, I ultimately want, want to help businesses unlock the power of a thriving culture and this exceptional human connection based brand experience. And so that's what I like, ultimately would love to do and so while i'm in that process i was like gosh but i want to i want to how do i go about creating that um and that's when uh and you know that that type of like thought leadership stuff is does not happen overnight and so i wanted to get involved in a business and see my model because i have a model of the way that i do things and so I wanted to see my model in a work in another industry and mm -hmm. so that's why I thought food would be really fun I love food. small enough where you could test it and, totally yeah well and I wanted to be in the trenches also and say that like this this works in in travel and tourism it works in healthcare. yeah and I wanted to see it work in food yeah. and so um so I was like, well, what do I do with food? I mean, I love tacos and I'm wild about them. And, you know, as you know, I have a taco podcast yep. and all these things. Um, but, uh, but if I'm on the search for the perfect taco, I can't have a taco place, you know, because sure. then, then supposedly that would be competitor. the best yeah. taco. Like, why would I not sell the best taco? Yeah. So I got, I can't do tacos. And tacos um, and churros pair perfect. Perfect. And I'm wild about Mexican food. I was, when I, the, my first exposure to the fresh filled churros were, was when I lived in Mexico city. Uh -huh. um, I was a missionary for the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Mexico. And after my, that's where I like fell in love with, 
the people, the yeah. culture, the food, everything Mexican, the language. And so, and um, then I, after my mission, I went back and did an internship in Mexico City. And that's when it was over. It was just it was like, I, I love this place so much. And I had my friend, there's like a part where Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera lived in the Southern part of the city called Coyoacan. That was like the churro capital of the world. Yeah. And there's like a church, there's like seven churro places within three blocks. And so they were fresh filled churros. I'm like, why don't we have churros this good in America? I love it. This would be irresponsible not to bring it to America at some point. And I so fast forward years later, I was like, now's the time. Yeah to make it happen we've been jamming let me ask you two questions yeah. to wrap it up kind of yeah because we could go for forever i feel like first is <clears throat> this is tactic for a local business owner watching or any type of business owner watching <clears throat> scott and i feel like and i want to both answer this question because i got something i want to say too which is how do you build an experience out of just a coffee shop or a laundromat or a plumbing service or you know a bakery or a soda shop or a yeah. churro shop like most people's if you're not used to it like scott was could learning from the nursing home and carrying it on to each of his businesses if you're just starting out and you're starting you know a coffee shop mm -hmm. or convenience store like how do you create an experience out of your business how do you because at the end of the day for as much as i like marketing there is nothing that drives more customers back to thirst than the way we act at thirst i like to believe um, the experience is absolutely everything. And so good marketing is just going to make people find out that they don't like you quicker if your experience isn't good. And so both have to be in check. Yeah. I've learned a lot about providing experience through just watching San Diablo. So watching San Diablo's, their performance at events, the way they act, the way they um, interact with customers. But tell us about how you can create, if someone's listening like, okay, I, won't, I need to take my experience more seriously. Where do you start? What do you look at? And what types of parts of the experience do you manipulate to make yours really good yeah. and memorable? Yeah, totally. So I actually have like four elements that are, are part of that. So the first is like you, the, whatever you're selling, product, service, coffee, you know, soda, churros, whatever it is, fundamentally, it has to be good. Like just the actual product? Yeah. yeah the actual product or yeah. service has to be good. Yeah. Or you're not going to keep going back if it's not delicious. So even if you, you get have treated like a box. million, yeah. a million, uh, uh, if you're treated like a million bucks, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If it's gross, you're not going to go back and eat it. So that's fundamentally, you like, I call it like, actually they spell, they, it's acronym for tacos of so the fundamentals. The next one is always different, positive and special. So you have to figure out, I call it your sloth factor because I was at this place in Peru one time, like artisan store, you guys have been in like, third world countries or developing countries where they have artisan markets and they're all the same mm -hmm. booth after you know kiosk 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 they're all the same stuff all the same price there's nothing that differentiates any of them i was there in this place and i was like why why would i stop anywhere and yeah. not go like why would i spend my money here yeah. and not there anyway so and just as i was thinking through this because i can't take those lenses off ever and i and i see down way at the end of the block there's like so many people, huge crowd, like bursting at the seams. I walked down there and this shop owner had a live sloth that they, you could take your picture with. Yeah. Who doesn't want to hold yeah. a live sloth? When have you ever held a live sloth? Yeah. I mean, maybe you have. Never, never held but, a sloth. Never but one you time. you would always remember it. 
right? I would remember. (laughs) You would remember. And they do, like, they have these claws that, like, are in your skin and they're, like, bristly and wiry and bony. Yeah. (laughs) And so, um, so do something different. So it's the sloth factor. I ask like myself, what are we doing that's different yeah. that draws people in? Yeah. That makes it special. Like everything from do like we have a secret menu. We have a cowbell. We like look different um, than than um, most other food trucks and and catering people. So like, what is it that makes we talk to people about them their lives? You know, yeah. we engage with them. So yeah. different. The next one is just consistently commitment. Everyone always at every level has to be consistently committed. And then the last one is the O is the wow factor. Like whatever makes you say, oh, wow. You know, like, wow, that was, that was unexpected. Like when you remember Colin from my team, like yep. he named a churro after the, the, the guy that was, that it was his birthday. He's like, this is the Ryland delight. And so this little eight year old kid was like, oh my gosh, this is the churro named after me, you know? And so then the mom commented to us and yeah. how special they, he made his, their son feel Yeah. by naming a churro after, I've never told Colin, like when you go to a party, name a churro after the kid. Yeah. And then you'll, you could never do that. Yeah. No. So you set up that culture of where you're empowering your team to surprise and delight. Yeah. So I would say my answer, I was, I I think of three things. The first is the core value that we have at thirst, which is positivity is infectious. Awesome. I think the way that the reason that people still to the day at thirst open the door, the window and in a kind of ridiculously high-pitched voice say welcome to thirst how are you (laughs) and this overwhelmingly welcoming tone is because i did that for the first two years by myself every single time on the window and it was infectious to the rest of my team you know and so i think number one thing if you're trying to improve your experience as the business owner are you infecting your team with are you setting the tone are you setting the tone totally yeah uh so that that's number one number two for me i've learned recently more and uh I feel like I kind of learned this from you too, is we look at all of the different senses Mm. and literally try to map things out to them. So like sight, I learned this, a big one from San Diablo, which is their uniforms. It's so subtle, but it means so much. I think uniforms, what are your employees wearing and how are they presenting themselves? What's in, because a lot of the times that's whether or not they're coming to you or whether or not they, you know, how they feel about it. Uh, Smell, San Diablo does this great with churros. We've talked about, do we pump like popcorn scent into our drive-through to make this thing like Disneyland? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, don't, I don't remember what the other things are, but the way, just looking at each of them, what are the five senses? Like sight, sound, music, like music in our drive-through is, we want to have a thirst playlist. Yeah. People yeah, yeah, remember yeah. when they're at thirst. Right. And looking at all the senses and like physically thinking of what can I do for each one of those things is really good. The last one I think is script the experience. Um, there's no way you could have talked Colin that, but I think that there's some things like, for instance, that what we're doing in our catering, I think Daniel's doing a really good job of is like, he's, um, making part of their checklist that they, he made custom thirst thank you cards. They write the host a thank you card at cool. the end. You know, that's required on the checklist, Yeah. I think, but it makes a big difference in the experience. Translate that to my stores. What are they mandated to say when they're taking your order and how did that make the customer feel was it 
what are we getting for you today? Or welcome to thirst. What sounds good today? Yeah. To me, I feel like that's a big one. I like part the script is what sounds good today. Not what are we getting? Mm-hmm. Like even little things like that to me make a huge, huge difference in the experience. And so I think scripting it out, like what do you want your employees to say, where, look, be doing. And when the customer says one thing, what do they say back? Totally. Like to a degree, you can mold your experience and hold people accountable for doing it. And then there's other things. My last question, I ended with this last time and it's a selfish one, but if you had any advice, if you could give advice to me, it could be about like the way anything like, like about the way Ethan is just a human, like Scott, my friend, like Ethan, take more time off. Or is it, or some advice I've been telling you about in my company, like what's something you've seen from afar that I, I would just love to know nothing more than what you, some oh, advice man. you could have for me. I like seriously, I want some I, help, on my Scott. way over here, I was like, I don't even know. I want to, I feel like I need to be asking like five of those questions for you to teach me. Let me give you some context. I feel like I'm some, one of the things I was telling you, I'm not struggling with, but I'm in the trenches and just really willing to learn right now is how to navigate people. Like Mm. like I said, I've literally, we have a purchased double the amount of stores that we have right now. And in one year we are going to be 250, 300 person company. Yeah. Yeah. Like how do I, how do I get, you know, how do I manage these relationships and navigate this thing? Like, is there any advice you can get for me there? Maybe. Um, I think Along those lines, I think it would probably go back to what I was talking about a little bit earlier. Like, um, and I know that you already have some, like your, your mission and values and positivity and all of these like designed and crafted experiences that you're looking to do. And I don't, we, we haven't actually really talked much about this. So I, I m- mostly my question would be like, is that codified? Like, is that, Not do even... you do a culture training? Do, do, do all of your team members know your company values? Do that? I think, you know, innately because of who you are and I know, and I've been, I've seen you guys in action all mm-hmm. over it. Like you attract amazing people that like exude that positivity yeah. and, and share your values as you get bigger, it is going to be more difficult to, to have that, that continue to trickle down yeah. unless your culture is established well. And I mean, that's like one of my absolute favorite things to do with people is to like help set that in motion. Like we call it, it's our San Diablo passport. Like everyone has a passport and it has like our mission, vision, yeah. values, like expectations, communication standards. When, like you were just saying, when people say this, what do we say? Yeah. Like all of those architected are there. So it's super documented then. Yeah. It's part of and your then training we train problem. on it. Yeah. yeah. And we need to train more on it and we need to get so much better at it, but it's it's there and yeah. it's like the foundation and as you continue to grow that is the one thing that me like I'm this is just as much my for for my own like remembrance as well mm-hmm. for my own business for your business for anyone's business at this stage it is like mission critical to have that in place yeah because then that's that's the vision that you end up selling and then that's the vision that people say oh yeah i want to be a manager at thirst because i believe in them yeah i believe in what they're trying to do and sure like this is going to be my livelihood will all of your managers be with you for the next 30 years probably not so let's 
have them bring like bring all of their energy and enthusiasm yeah. right now and set that up as like there's something more than just a paycheck yeah you know this is important what we're doing is 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 having an impact yeah so i think this answer it's interesting because i feel like it pert- my thought of how i've approached culture is i remember right at the beginning i made up these bullcrap uh, values. I was 18 years old, starting thirst. And I was like, oh, you need company values because I read that or seen that on a YouTube video. Right. And it soon transitioned into those, first off, weren't the right ones. And two, like, you actually do this at a one store level by leading just in the dirt with your hands. You're and in the trenches, being dirty. The hands example. dirty. Yeah, There's yeah, nothing yeah. stronger than the example. But what I'm hearing from you and what I'm learning and I, what I need to just kind of snap into, which is if we're talking about 10 stores and you're not talking about being at one store all the time, translating that is gonna take more documentation and more structure than just relying on the fact that you're gonna be there all the time to lead by example, yeah. because I'm not. Right. And it's well, a hard thing and for I me, honestly. Like now is, is, a, is probably a really good time and maybe one of the best times to, as you're looking at this really great growth, is to bring those leaders together and almost do a refresh like hey guys when i was 18 i came up with these values yeah. <laughs> like is this thirst now yeah like and really like gut check is this who we believe in and if it's not retool them yeah. change them modify and and by bringing that team together you're saying you're like engaging them them in this them in this process as well yeah and then they're saying oh yeah 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 uh, that's, Would you do that with your leadership team? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually looking at doing that right now with San Diablo. Um, uh, I was just in Mexico for a couple of weeks. We're looking to launch down there soon. And um, Dude, that's going to be insane. I know it's going to be so great. Um, but it's also giving giving us an opportunity to refresh our own brand and experience. Like, hey, okay, so are there things that like is this still what we believe we have the strongest leadership team we've ever had like like uh, for the stage of, that yeah. we're in right now and so bringing this team on and like how with with like lots of experience right now and everything and so how do we is this san diablo and is there something we're missing i gotta and do the same can thing we take it to the next level yeah um and i think that with mission and values like that's what's so great about it and that's what's so great about being the person that's like leading that charge is that you can say, you know what? I don't know if this is the direction that we should be going. Maybe we should do this instead. Or is this the type like checking up checking? I don't ever check, dude. I honestly don't ever check because I feel like my strategy is just run and go and figure it out and out hustle. But at the end, like it's so important. I feel like this is something I'm going to do next week. So thank you. Of course. Um, Dude, we doubled the time I told I'm, you, so I'm sorry. No, I'm so sorry. I just uh, talk way too much. Let's plug this in. Scott is seriously an amazing entrepreneur. I can't wait to see what you keep doing, and I'm always going to be following your lead. So thanks for being on the show, uh, on the Thank podcast. Um, Sound, at San Diablo Churros, but at Scott Porter. Yeah, um, Scott, so where we can Scott find Craig you. Porter on LinkedIn, and then also uh, search for The Perfect Taco right. on Instagram. Uh, and then the podcast is on there, too. You can find it at search for the perfect taco. Okay, we're excited to link too. everything up. Scott, thanks, dude. Here's yeah. some, some more good times. Thank you so much. Thanks. Woohoo! Dude, I feel like we could have talked for like four more hours. 
Thanks everybody for listening to another episode of the Learning by Doing podcast. It's been a blast having this podcast and be able to communicate with the Ethan from Thirst Nation in just another way. Um, speaking of Ethan from Thirst, if you guys haven't followed me on Instagram or checked out my YouTube channel, that's really where I'm sharing everything. The whole entrepreneurial journey, everything, every part of it, you're going to get it. Follow me at Ethan from Thirst on Instagram and uh, I'd be really grateful for your follow. I would look forward to having a conversation with you over DM. Leave in a review if you like this podcast too. It would be awesome because I'm trying to get in the podcast game and uh, I'd love your uh, approval. So thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.